CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We get together every weekday afternoon at this time to do this very thing, and that's answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical worldview, and also what we hear in church on Sunday or Saturday or any other time we get together. Is it even in the Bible at all? And so we want to once again give you the number. You can be part of the program today, 88 88 ask CSN is the number to call and look forward to talking to you. Maybe you've been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand. Somebody has asked you a question or you've been sharing your faith with somebody and you want to give them a good answer. Well, that's why we're here to help you do a better job for our King. Joining me today, very special guest, Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute. He's the president of Pacific Justice Institute, representing people who oftentimes can't represent themselves, sometimes with uh, governmental or local laws overreach to uh, uh, stop people from doing what uh, their constitutional rights say they can do. Brad, it's so good to have you on the program today. Oh, thank you, Pastor Mike. It's always a pleasure. Look forward to answering some questions with you. And very quickly again, Brad, why don't you just tell everybody basically what you do, how you represent churches, individuals that have uh, unfortunately came under uh, planning and zoning laws for churches to vaccinations and and uh, being fired from their job, things like that. Yeah, we're very busy defending religious freedom, parents' rights, uh, you know, dealing with you know, the, the school districts, uh, social workers starting to take kids, uh, dealing with uh, the sanctity of human life issues, whether it's defending the preborn or defending those who uh, are about to have uh, the, their life support removed, even though they're not dead, even though they, they could still recover. Uh, so we're very, very broad. We, as far as religious freedom, we are not just in the United States now. We've uh, helped about 100 Christian Afghan refugees who were in a Muslim country, in a, in a different country, but we're not allowed to come to the United States. A Baptist mission organization contacted us, and uh, we stepped in, and they're now in the United States and Canada ministering to Muslim Afghan refugees. So uh, we're actively engaged in the workplace, churches, like you said, land use, zoning. When they shut down the churches across America, we stepped up to the plate, and we got the Supreme Court to issue a 6-3 to three decision saying, not so fast, you can't do that. So uh, it's uh, we've been very active involved. We do all our work without charge. And if anyone would like to keep up with our work, our case updates, I so strongly encourage them to go to our website, pji.org. We have over 100 and, over 120 cases in active litigation. I know it's much larger than that now, but people can keep up with our many cases and what's going on. We've got great resources to empower them to live their faith boldly, to, to know what their rights are, to protect their kids, and, uh, and uh, many other things as well. Yeah, it's such a good thing that you do, Brad. And again, you do it for uh, uh, no charge. And uh, again, we we realize that government overreach now is becoming so epidemic. Uh, I mean, now they want to take away our gas stoves in our kitchens. Instead of patrolling the border, keeping the fentanyl out, Biden says he wants to make assault weapons illegal. 
not because he cares about an individual being shot or killed, not because they care about crime. No, they want to disarm America because if they really cared about crime, well, they'd do something about the fentanyl pouring across our southern border on the backs of those people sneaking into our country, killing over 150 people a day in the United States. That's about 55. They know it's at least four, uh, 54 to 55,000 they'll admit to, and many put it as high as 100,000 a year. Now, if you had every day some shootout in America, 150 people killed, oh, you would have the liberal news media screaming and all the liberal, but you can kill 150 people a day through the drugs pouring across the Democratic unpatrolled southern border, well, that's okay. When, not one more gun death, they say, the bleeding heart liberal. Well, I don't want to see one more gun death either. But I don't want to see one more fentanyl death at 150 a day right now that could be stopped right now if they would do something. But they've got an agenda Brad, I believe it's very sinister. I, I heard part of our, our president's State of the Union address. It was appalling. So much was not even remotely true. Your thoughts. You're an attorney. Tell us. Are we all being just duped and lied to until they finally uh, take away our guns and now we're all a communist state? Because I believe that's where we're headed. Yeah, that, that's the, the end game uh, of the radical left, uh, unfortunately. And, of course, Biden has become a puppet, um, uh, to the surprise of many who voted for him, actually. He's become a, a literal puppet of the left. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's disturbing what, what, what he talked about. You know, for example, like the border, you're absolutely right. The fentanyl issue is not one like, golly, gee, this is a problem and we got to do something. Maybe, uh, you know, no, if, if we had finished building the wall, and engaged in the game plan of the former administration, this would not be happening. Uh, it's, it's that clear cut. Uh, and the, for the President Biden and his speech to have the audacity to blame the, the, the border issues and the border problem with people flooding across the border with, he said, with the opposing party. I, I, and then everybody started laughing and saying, you know, liar, you know, uh, I, I can see why it's, it's, he is destroyed. Our national security completely of any kind of integrity and in, in protecting us from from terrorists and others coming in, uh, unlike any president in my lifetime. Uh, and we're going to be paying the price for it well beyond his administration, whether he's reelected or not. Uh, it should be a serious concern in, in terms of Social Security for him to, to stand up there and say that the opposing party is trying to get, you know, it's not going to protect Social Security and Medicare. They're going to they're get rid of it. You know, there's, they have plans to get rid of it. And of course, no, just the, a bald face lie. Just, the bald face lie. The House Speaker and everyone else just just laughed and shook their heads in unison because it was so outrageous. Uh, and it's a, really it's an insult to the American people when you have someone in the in the office of president giving a presidential State of the Union address. And it's you know it's one thing for him to advocate his position. That's fine. That's that's normal. But to get up and, and so blatantly, grotesquely lie. Um, that's a real problem. Now, some have ta attacked him because he spurted out some things that you didn't know what he was saying. Um, you know, I'll, I'll grant grace on that. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, in a, a senile state, if you will. He obviously has obvious, you know, dementia um, and, you know, and, and mental issues in that regard. So, uh, but, you know, even still, 
it's it's very concerning. You know, he, and sometimes he would just you know screamed and and yelled uh, in a way that um, didn't flow with his speech. Uh, that was you know disturbing. He obviously had a a, a stimulant shot. Uh, you know, he had one during the last state of unit address. He had it a few times when he was running like in the debates, running for president. What I've noticed this time though is that the stimulants were not st- shot that he gets. It's a heavy uh, stimulant kind of a drug. Uh, it wasn't as effective as it has been in the past. We saw some slurring. We saw some uh, personality outbursts and things. Uh, so I'm actually very concerned about our country right now. Uh, the chief of staff uh, resigned uh, just fairly recently. Um, that's a very key position. Uh, we had the, the balloon issue the, uh, that, uh, you know, that was a major concern. Uh, and the fact that it went all the way across America with a large object, uh, could have been an EMP bomb easily, which would have completely dismantled the United States. They say it was the size of two school buses. So yeah. this wasn't some little, you know, uh, let's go to the county fair and get a, you know, a helium balloon. No, this thing is like was the size of two school right. buses. This thing could have been carrying EMT, nuclear. Uh, we don't know what. But they never made any attempt. They knew it was in our atmosphere uh, when it entered our airspace in Alaska. They tracked it clear across. And it wasn't until after it left the continental United States, past South Carolina, that they shot it down. After it had gathered all the information, why would you do this? Why would you wait till it's out of our airspace to shoot it down, to placate the American people, to make them think, oh, yeah, there's our military right on it. No, they weren't right on it. Right. And then when you look at the Hunter Biden laptop and the big man getting all this cut money from China, yeah, maybe it's, that's why they didn't shoot it down. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I think you're onto something on that, because uh, when we look at his policies, you know, with regard to China, getting rid of the sanctions, uh, getting rid of the, uh, the you know, the trade, um, you know, barriers or the protections that uh, was put in by the prior administration, saving us over $200 billion a year, uh, you know, acquiescing to China and for all practical purposes in many ways, uh, you can't help but, you know, look at the facts. And the facts are that things did happen between the Biden administration and his son specifically and his dad, the big guy with China. China unquestionably knows exactly what happened. They have the evidence probably full and clear. And, and with so we, I, I'm expecting that they're, they're implicitly or explicitly holding it over his administration saying, knowing at any time they can pull the trigger and they'll put it all out there. And he and his son are royal toast. Our national security has never been more endangered because of personal interests of a, of a president and his family than at any time in U.S. history as it is right now. Uh, that is a serious uh, concern moving forward. What happens between now and the next uh, election is also very concerning. Uh, there's a good chance, I think, that China may uh, jump the gun and not wait to move on Taiwan or other things uh, until you know after this administration. I think there's still a very good chance they'll take advantage of his, of his obvious weakness and uh, and that could be extremely, extremely dangerous and fatal for many, many Americans because a war with China is not like a war with Vietnam or uh, you know North Korea or Guam or no. This is this is a major head-to-head war if that happens, 
and we will have a huge, tremendous number of, of lives lost on both sides, undoubtedly, uh, assuming we don't just simply uh, surrender uh, when the first shot's fired. This is very, very concerning. Well, and we remember in, in Revelation and other places in the Bible, the United States is not really mentioned as a country or even as a region right. that is a world player in the last days. Now, friends, again, that's why I believe the Bible says today is the appointed day of salvation. No, put off what you can do in your relationship with God today, thinking that, oh, I've got tomorrow, I can do. You don't know. And whether China makes a surprise move on the United States or they make an invasion of Taiwan and we try to stop them and then they start nuking us with Russia's help, friends, this is not a good scenario. And we just need to be aware, Jesus said, redeeming the time, the days are evil. Let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Joshua on the line, Carson City, Nevada. Hi and welcome. Hi, hello, pastors. I've uh, got a question. Um, so I was watching this thing on YouTube about the Temple Mount um, yes. in Israel, where the, I think the Wailing Wall's at. And um, they were saying that, that that's probably not where it what originally the original temple was, that I guess uh, there's historical like documentation that shows that it might have been in the city of David. Just wondering what you guys uh, thought about that, because I thought that what Jesus said, uh, you know, that every rock would have been overturned from the temple. So what it, what is the Welling Wall? Is that an actual part of the old, an old temple? No, I, I believe it. I believe the Temple Mount is the Temple Mount. I believe that they come up with these stories, I believe, sometimes to defer people away from the tension there on the Temple Mount. We know Israel wants to build their third temple, but because of the Dome of the Rock Mosque, the Muslims control that that area, that some 15 to 11 acres of of uh, trees and sidewalks to the north and the east of the Dome of the Rock Mosque, is what really, I believe, Israel will eventually uh, build. Now, we do know that uh, they're, they're, uh, when Jesus made his descent, from the Mount of Olives, and he went in uh, to the eastern through the eastern gate. Uh, we remember that that uh, he went into the temple, and he cleared the temple of the money changers. He made a whip to overturn the tables. Well, that's not very loving. Well, you know what? Sometimes love requires people to tell the truth and to really stand up for what's right. And Jesus said, "The zeal for your house has eaten me up." So when we understand that. Uh, if it was far away, you wouldn't have descended from the Mount of Olives into the into the city of Jerusalem, where Jesus then clears the temple of the money changers. So that's, I think, one of the first things. But the reason they can't build it is because there needs to be a man of peace come on the world scene that'll negotiate a settlement with Israel, the Arab neighbors, and here on the Temple Mount, they can build their third temple to the north, the east, on those 15 acres there. And uh, um, many people believe, and I am one, that most likely that peace treaty will start the tribulation period. Because so much of Israel's history surrounded the temple or the tabernacle of meeting in the Old Testament as they came out of, out of even out of Egypt. The, the tabernacle of meeting is where God met the people. 
And so I believe that, again, we're going to find the temple playing a very important part, insomuch that we find it in Revelation chapter 11, where John is told to go measure it, uh, that it, it will will be built there. So I think any attempt to move it somewhere else would then not work well when we understand uh, the descent of the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem. Any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, you know, the uh, you know, many people are as as Christians are saying, well, you know, we, we need to wait for the temple to be built. Um, but if you know, if you're looking at the the way that that most, I think, look at revelations, um, many anticipate that the, you know, the, the rapture is going to have occurred before the Antichrist, before the temple's built. Right. Yeah, and and so you got to remember that if if the treaty for them to build their temple um, allows them to build their temple and starts the tribulation, it is very possible that three and a half years into the tribulation period, which at that time the Antichrist is befriending Israel. I don't think they're accepting him as Messiah, but I believe they're accepting him as a dear friend, okay? But what happens is, very possibly during the um, dedication of the temple, maybe very possibly uh, it was in use, but then the official dedication, we do know that the Bible says what makes the abomination which makes desolate is where the Antichrist goes into the temple, declares to the world that he is God, either a picture of himself, himself, or his name in the temple, and the Bible says that Jesus said, when that happens, don't even go back in to get your coat, run for the hills. Now, why is that? Well, even up to 70, 50 years ago, that would have been pretty hard to, that would be kind of a ridiculous statement. But I believe the Antichrist is fully aware that the Jews are not going to accept him as being God. In other words, he builds this religious system, the Chrislam, the coexist, as you see the bumper stickers. And unites the world religion now on the Temple Mount. The Jew, the Christian, and the and the and and uh, the, the 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 Arab can all worship on the same mount together. All brought to you by the Antichrist. Now, of course, he's going to be called the Man of Peace by the world. So he goes in. He declares to the world he's God. He knows Israel's not going to buy his chili. So he's prepared to be bring swift retaliation upon the people of Israel, and. When we understand that he will not suffer the humiliation of being ridiculed by the Jewish people, after all I have done for you, you dare do this to me. And Jesus said, don't even go back in your your house to get your coat. Run for the hills. So, yes, I do believe there's going to be a third temple built, Revelation chapter 11. We find that it is, uh, I believe, uh, um, a very key time marker in the tribulation period concerning the abomination, which makes desolate, which is three and a half years into the tribulation period, and the second coming of Jesus Christ is three and a half years after the abomination, which makes desolate. So we know when the second coming of Christ is based upon the abomination, which makes desolate, based upon the beginning of the tribulation period. So that's not hard to know. Now, the rapture of the church. No one knows the hour of the day. Just be ready. Hope that answers for you, Joshua. Um, so are are we as believers going to be caught up before the third temple is built? 
I believe absolutely, because I believe the third uh, temple's permission to be built will be brought to you uh, by the Antichrist, brought to the world. Uh, this is why the world will hail him as the man of peace. The Bible says they will say, who is able to make war with him? I mean, this guy is great. And so understanding that you're going to have this guy uh, on the world scene um, making peace. Finally, somebody with common sense comes along. I don't, I don't believe the Antichrist, everyone, is going to be some wild-eyed, crazy, painted red with horns with a pointy tail coming on the world scene. No, he's going to be, he's going to be, uh, what the world's wanted. Finally, a politician with some common sense lacking in just about every politician around the world. My dad always said something that was kind of funny, Brad. He said, you know, concerning politicians, it's good to see people with really no education can get a job. Anyway, another topic, <laughs> but, but the point is, is that, uh, he's going to come on the world scene and he's going to dazzle the crowd with his his negotiation skills. In fact, one of the eye marks for him, Revelation chapter 6, the very first horse that goes out is a guy riding on a white horse. He has a bow, but no arrows. Well, that's not Jesus, because the Bible says authority was given to him. Jesus has always had his authority. So we know it's not Jesus, but he goes out on a white horse, negotiating a one-world order, then those that don't go along with the one-world order, he goes after them by force. We find the red horse, the wars that come. And then, of course, we find we find the famines, uh, all those things that come upon the earth, because you're making war, you're not making food. And then, of course, the pale horse, death, that follows all of these things. And by the end of those first four horsemen, one-fourth of the world's population is dead. That means two billion with a B people. Now we think we look at the earthquake right now in in Turkey and in Syria, two uh, twenty thousand people or more. Probably it'll go much higher than that. Uh, dead, and we are appalled at twenty thousand people. Two billion people under the reign of the Antichrist initially, and by the end of the seven-year period of of uh, the tribulation period, one-third of the world's population has died. So it's not the dawn of the age of Aquarius. I believe, again, the temple is a very key time marker through the tribulation period, because you can actually calculate exactly when Jesus Christ will make the second coming, is three and a half years after the abomination, which makes desolate, has to ta- tra- transpire in the temple, which is not yet built, but it will be built. Hope that helps. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Joshua, stay online. Send you a little book called 101 Last Days Prophecies, as well as Time to Grow, a little book that I uh, wrote, great for uh, evangelism, and then also the movie Jesus, Um uh, all the other things we send out, everybody. Stand line, we'll get those out to you. Let's go to Kenneth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi there. Yes, sir. I have a question regarding Colossians 2, 17. Um, I understand he's addressing the church and, and just letting them know that Christ had wiped out the requirements of the law and kind of warning them against falling back into works. 
Um, yes. And then verse 16 says, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And then verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come. And I was yes. just wondering if you could clarify that. Well, the Bible says he is our peace. Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law. And part of the law was not only the Ten Commandments, but all the other Levitical laws that went along with it, plus the keeping of the feasts, keeping of the Sabbath, keeping of all these things. And we find that Jesus, in him, he is our Sabbath rest. He is also the fulfillment of all the things that the Bible says. See, in other words, Jesus said, I kept my father, John chapter 12. He said, I kept my father's commandments. Now, he says, you keep mine. And my commandment is that you love one another. Now, again, everyone, we have to understand, love isn't just letting people do whatever they want. Oh, we, 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 we must not condemn, as they'll say. No, the Bible tells you what God's going to condemn. What's really sad is people don't even understand what love is anymore. Love isn't letting your kids burn your living room down and throw all your furniture out in the street. Uh, you say, no, honey, you can't do that. Well, that's what love does. Love requires a lot of times when people say, well, that's not loving. Well, I suppose Jesus chasing the money changers out of the temple with a whip probably wasn't in many people's eyes loving, but it's exactly what needed to be done. So we, I think, really have to go back to what really uh, we find going on here and that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Everything the law required, and this is what we also find in Galatians, it's the schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. In other words, it showed us what God's high, perfect standard was. And then Jesus is the one that fulfilled that righteous standard. And so when we look at this, I think it's really important that in him— he fulfills all those things. Uh, when we look at the the uh, the uh, different festivals, Jesus fulfilled them. Passover was one that was commanded for them to keep. Jesus was our Paschal Lamb that took away the sins of the world. It was His blood now on our heart that causes a death angel to pass over. When we look at first fruits, all the other uh, Old Testament festivals, Jesus fulfilled those. And so don't let anybody judge you. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, not because we worship on Saturday or Sunday or keep Yom Kippur or any of the other festivals that they had in the Bible. When we come back on the other side of the break, Brad, uh, as an attorney, I, I want you to kind of maybe share with us a little bit about this ultimate standard God has. We'll have more coming up right after this. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. 
MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable ebook called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. Welcome you back to part two of Every Man and Answer here on this Friday afternoon with Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. When we went to the break, we were speaking with Kenneth out of uh, the book of Colossians about Jesus being the fulfillment of all these things, not letting anybody judge you over these things. Now, again, because of this reason, we go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, not because we worship on Saturday or Sunday. Worshiping on Saturday or Sunday doesn't make you more saved. You're either saved or you're not saved. That's what the bottom line is. These different groups that come along saying, oh, well, you can't eat pork. you got to worship on Saturday. Well, what does that do? It, it, does that make me any more of a Christian or less of a Christian? Of course not. And that's exactly what Galatians and Colossians is talking about right here. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah. Uh, well, first... I think it's it's interesting to see uh, how Christ did respond to the to the people, uh, the merchants in the temple, uh, and I and, and I and I like how you pointed out that I mean Jesus wasn't lackadaisical. He was he was very angry about it, um, but his anger is not devoid of his love, uh, because a righteous love, a righteous anger has has love, and and what's what's right and what's 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 good. Um, and also what's in the best interest of the person that is, is experiencing, uh, that anger. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, I'm sure Jesus wanted these people to repent. I'm sure he wanted them to, to turn from what was going on. You know, he could have just spoke a word and they all would have been dead. Uh, that wasn't the point. The point was to demonstrate the, the righteous anger of, of God in that situation, dealing with the temple and God's holiness. And, and, and to answer your question, uh, I think many times we as Christians, one of the main problems I see in our secular world is sort of a relativistic attitude about uh, someone being righteous or quote-unquote good. 
um, you know, as if somehow we are we're on a uh, sort of a sliding scale. I like to pick. I like this great analogy where, you know, you, you picture you know, a judge, and a judge is righteous. He's fair, and there's someone though that has broken the law, who he cares about, who is is someone really close to. He loves this person, but that person can't pay his debt. Yeah, you know, does the judge say, well, you know, I just think of all the times you weren't speeding. Or all the times that you 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 didn't do this or you didn't do that, and and then all those other people worse than you. I'm just going to let you go. No, the judge has to be righteous, has to enforce the law, and therefore, what does the judge do? He he goes in love, he takes off his robe, he humbles himself, and he offers to pay the bailiff for this friend. His friend has to receive it in humility, has to receive it. Um, It's not forced on him, but if he receives it, that debt is paid for in the same way. That's what God did with Jesus Christ. Came down, humbled himself in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins. And the reality is, if someone says, well, you know, I've only sinned a few times. Well, you know, God is holy and righteous. If someone says, well, I've only murdered three people. You know, look at all the people I didn't kill. You'd say, well, no, but those three people, you deserve to die. Um, God is so holy. It just takes one sin to separate us from God and the need for a savior and that's why we can't downplay the righteousness of God. Uh, we need to understand that is his righteousness. His holiness is what compels us to need a Savior no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, uh, whether we pork or honor the Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday, whatever it is, we cannot make it on our own. So I hope that answers it for you. Well, um, yeah, that helps a little. However, um and and I'm thrilled that that the Lord uh, you know wiped out the handwriting of requirements that you know it mentions there in verse 13. However, my question specifically is regarding um, which are a shadow of things to come. If Paul is addressing a New Testament church that existed after Christ's coming and ascension, what do you think he's referring to regarding the things to come? Well, I think when we when we get to heaven, I think we're going to know a whole lot more than we know right now on just how much Jesus did do for us and and all the other things that we we don't know. I I believe those things that are to come. Um uh the Hebrews have an interpretation of scripture that said when Messiah comes, even the space between the letters will mean something. And when we look at this, we realize that there are things to come yet. We, of course, remember that one-third of the Bible is prophecy. Two-thirds of those prophecies have already come true, and there's a remaining one-third yet to come. And I believe that we're going to see a lot of these things that were maybe a little bit of a mystery in the Bible be in full swing by then. Now, you got to remember, back when that was written, when you understand some of these prophecies in Daniel and these other places that were written, it, it was hard for them to understand that. In fact, I picked up a Hen, uh, Matthew Henry commentary, and if you look concerning especially the nation of Israel in the last days, Matthew Henry says this, written around 1700, he says, it appears that Israel will become a nation again, but I don't see how these things can ever be. Well, we know that Israel did become a nation again. In fact, the Bible says, who's ever heard of such a thing? A nation born in a day. That's exactly what happened when the United Nations declared then in May that that would be a nation of Israel born in a day. Just exactly what the Bible says. So I think 
there's a lot of shadow of things to come that we 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 see at Paul says we see through a glass darkly, but then soon face to face. I think a lot of these things uh we'll understand more. And I think we're gonna understand a lot more when we get to heaven why certain things happen in our life the way they did because of God's divine hand in our lives. Hope that helps. Yes, sir. Praise God for that. You guys keep up the good work. Uh, truth matters, and I appreciate you. Well, God bless you, Kenneth. Stay online if you like. Send you out a little book called One Under One Last Days Prophecies, along with the movie Jesus. The other DVDs that we give away as books, stay online. We'll get those out to you. Let's go to Pat, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much for taking my call. I've heard a lot since you guys started your program, and all of it is so educating. It's unbelievable. I know God is so proud of you guys for doing what you do and spreading his word and the truth. It's just really hard to find a program that really goes into depth like you guys do. So my question is, when we pass away on this earth, it talks about the Bible where we go to sleep. Is this before Christ, that people go to sleep and be resurrected with Christ? Or we instantly our bodies go straight into heaven, our our souls go into heaven as soon as we pass, like tomorrow, if I have to die tomorrow, not that I'm going to, or hopefully I'm not, but I'm just asking. No, that's fine. Um, Paul says to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. And I think that's very, very important to understand. Uh, the word there in the Greek means instantaneous, boom, boom, that fast, just that quick. The minute you breathe your last here, you'll breathe your first in heaven. And I think that's really an important part of understanding um, this whole thing. Now, the idea of soul sleep is not a biblical concept. As an example, where in the Bible, in the book of Acts, and Stephen, when he was stoned to death, it says he fell asleep. That was talking about his body. We already have established to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, we find this, whether it was the rich man and Lazarus that Jesus talked about, or whether we look at the miracle that Jesus did. A rich man came named Jarius came to Jesus and said, my daughter is grievously ill. Will you come and pray for her? And while he's yet talking to Jesus, his servants come and they say, trouble the master no more. Your daughter has died. Jesus looked at him and said, let's go anyway. So they went to the house. The mourners were there crying and weeping. They were pretty sure that evidently the girl was going to die. That's why they had the mourners already there. And they were weeping and wailing. And Jesus said, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. Now, why did he say that? Well, it isn't that her soul was sleeping. We're going to see that in a second. But that her body was. Jesus goes in. By the way, it says they laughed him to scorn. So Jesus put them all out. And by the way, that's a very important biblical concept. If you laugh at the things of God, if you make fun of the things of God, you won't see the miracles of God. You'll experience the blessing of the miracle as the little girl came back and blessed everybody in that community. But those close to Jesus, when Jesus closed the door and just a couple of his disciples, he looks at the little girl and says, daughter, arise. And the little girl, the Bible says, her spirit returned to her. It does not say her spirit woke up. Same goes in the Old Testament. Elijah prayed for a little boy, and he was dead. And when he prayed, he came back to life, and the Bible says his spirit returned to him. Very important. We remember Samuel had died. 
Saul went to the witch at Endor to conjure his spirit. When she saw Samuel coming, she screamed, probably because every other seance and whatever she did was phony baloney. But this one was the real deal. God allowed Samuel to come back from the dead. It doesn't say he woke up in his grave and then come running down to see Saul. No, his spirit came. And and Samuel said, tomorrow you'll be with me in the place where uh, in Sheol, where the dead go. Now, again, Jesus talked about this place, the place where the rich man went, the place where Lazarus went. The Bible says that when Lazarus died, the angels came and got him. It didn't say he laid in the ground waiting for the resurrection for a couple thousand years. No, very clearly, the angels came and got him. And the rich man was buried, but we find them both in Abraham. We find, we find Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. We find the rich guy uh, in Sheol, in torment. Tell Lazarus to come over here, dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in the flame. I, I think this guy was really kind of out of it because here he's in hell Still ordering people around. This guy was rich. He ordered people around his probably his whole life. And now he's an elk still trying to tell Lazarus to come over here. Well, Abraham goes, no, there's a chasm between us. You can't come over here. We can't come over to you. Well, then tell Lazarus to go back and warn my five brothers not to come to this place. Still ordering people around. Death seals you in the condition you're in. But your shell is going to be buried or cremated. Cemeteries are full of them. But your spirit has gone to be somewhere. Now, if you're not a Christian, you go to a place, this place where I believe the rich man was at, awaiting the great white throne judgment. In other words, you're in the county jail getting ready to go to the big house. Because you see, all there's still an investigation going on. All the things that a worldly person put in motion, starting a cult. Maybe there's only a couple dozen at the time. Now there's millions. Think about the people that know that Evolution is a lie of the teachers, yet they keep teaching it to the students, talking people out of God. Oh, I think there's going to be a judgment, friends. And the Bible says that even though a person dies, that ball you set in motion is still out there racking up darkness. I think this is why the great white throne judgment is at the end of all time. When a man, woman's works have come to full fruition, everything they've done influenced people even long after they're dead. I believe they're going to pay a price for. That's why it's important to have your sins forgiven. Not only what you did in the past, but that those sins of the past don't follow you into the next world. Because, friends, they will. This is why I believe, again, today is the appointed day of salvation. Your thoughts? Yeah, I remember uh, where you know Jesus is on the cross, and he wasn't alone. There were two thieves, one to his left, one to his right, also being crucified. And one of those thieves was repentant. And Jesus told him and said, uh, for this day, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say you will be in paradise. Essentially, he said, you will be with me in paradise. So there, there's that, that understanding that, that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. He is with us uh, even to the end of the age. Uh, he is, you know, in, in that presence uh, is not with some something that's asleep. Um, that's something that is awake and and with them, and we'll we'll see that and we'll be with him. So I think that 
that you know, and, it, and it's so extreme the, the grace of God. That man on the cross, that thief, did nothing. I mean, he was he did nothing to deserve in any way God's forgiveness. And I just think it's a classic example how important it is that we never attach uh, works, as we talked about earlier, uh, to the grace of God and the forgiveness through faith in Christ. And, and the permanency of that relationship and the fact that he will never, ever leave us, um, even when we move on out of this world to the next. So I hope that helps. It does, actually. Uh, it, it made perfect sense whenever you said that the thief turned to him and asked him basically to forgive him. He didn't even say the sinner's prayer. He just said, leave him alone. And Jesus took him with him anyhow, which is unbelievable love. Absolutely. And, you know, the reason I think the Bible uses the word sleep there concerning those that are believers, concerning our body, not our spirit, but our body, is that we know it's going to come back again. Uh, at the rapture of the church, the Bible says the dead in Christ rise, and then those that are alive and remain are caught up to be with him in the air. We're transformed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Now, during the millennial reign of Christ, the Bible says we're going to rule and reign with him. We're going to need some kind of a physical body to rule and reign. Right now, I believe in the spiritual world. Those people have died in Christ. They're with the Lord. They're having a great time. Praise God. They're in a spiritual world. But when they come back to this physical world, we're going to need a body. Jesus said, touch me. Put your fingers in the holes in my hand. Put your hand in my side. Do you have anything to eat? Yet he could vanish out of their sight. Really unique body that we're going to get. Paul says, we're not exactly sure what we're going to be, but we know when we see him, we're going to be like him. This new body that we're going to get is going to be, I believe, very instrumental in being the enforcers, the governors, the police, all these things on the earth for that thousand years. Now, uh, it's hard to believe, but many people would even put the population of the earth at the end of the millennium into the billions and billions of people again. Because of the longevity of man, they're going to live to be about a thousand years old. You're going to have a perfect environment, perfect food, perfect government, perfect everything. And yet, for all of that, the Bible says Satan is loose and goes out, deceives a nation, and as sand is on the seashore, he wages war against the Lord there in Jerusalem. And with a word, they're fried. It's over. And then this is when the new, uh, when the great white throne judgment comes. And then after that, uh, the great uh, new Jerusalem that comes down. So a lot to look forward to. Hope that helps, Pat. Uh, thank you, guys. You're, you're great. Man, I got it. Got it. God's good. And and so, Pat, stay online. We'll send you out books, DVDs, movie Jesus. I think you'll have a good time with that. Great for evangelism. Let's go to Hilda, Odessa, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hello. Um, thank you for taking my question. And I want to know, uh, do you think that um, Rachel's womb was, was closed by God because she put uh, that God knew was she was going to put her um, hide her uh, father's demon god statue underneath her? Do you think he closed her womb because well, he knew he was? I I don't know why. We do know that Rachel. Uh, uh, um, and, and Leah, um, Rachel went on. And, and are you which are which are you speaking of here, Rachel and Leah? 
Yes, because yes. Rachel hid her father's demon statue underneath her, and and she she lied to Jacob and told her that well yeah. God knows what's going to happen, and so she had Joseph before that just one just one child, but after and then she she hit God knows what's going to happen, and then so when she put hit the statue of her father underneath and she lied to Jacob. And do you think that's why her, do you think that's why God um, closed her womb? Well, we also know that she had Benjamin as well, died in childbirth. Um, And of course, lying is never a good thing. Uh, We realize that, that, um, it is a it is a, a troubling thing, but the Bible does not say that. And I think we need to be very careful. And something I've always taught everyone, and I believe this is a good advice, um, when the Bible is silent about a, a, a topic, it's it's wise to be silent about it. I've heard all kinds of conjuring on different verses. People don't understand. And so they come up with all these theories, anything from a, a pre-Adamic, uh, before Adam and Eve were created, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there was a whole world that existed, and that's where the dinosaurs went. That's all made up. That's not in the Bible. So you're best to stay silent on it rather than say things that are goofy and mislead people. Right. Well, you know, the the um, sons of God were having uh, relations with the daughters of men, and they begat uh, these supernatural demon people on the earth. All made up, not in the Bible. You know, you can say things, but you want to be real careful with what you say. I don't want to misrepresent God's Word. I don't want to add to God's Word. I don't want to take away from God's Word. I read Revelation, what happens to people in particular that do that to that book. Um, And so we want to be very careful when we see things in the Bible. So was she cursed because she hid the idols? The Bible does not say that. Uh, Could it be? I don't know. Um, I know that all the way through the Bible, good people did very, very evil things, and God yet continued to use them and bless them. We look at, as an example, Abraham, who lied to, to Pharaoh, Chedalamer, all these other people. Oh, she's not, she's not my wife. She's my sister. When finally he was confronted on it, you know what he said? Ah, we lie to everybody about this. Man, and God still used him? That's right. God uses imperfect people, which ought to encourage every one of us listening right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, I've been reading through Job, and it's interesting how in Job, there's these these people around him. Of course, you know, Job had everything taken from him. He has sores. He's in pain and agony. And he was doing a great job, you know, a man above reproach. And all these people around him, his, quote, friends, uh, speculating on why he's going through this. And, and and basically judging him, saying, well, obviously God is punishing you for some terrible sin. And that was one of the themes that you see throughout that. Second-guessing God. And yet it's so easy for us, you know, as you go to the back of Job, it's awesome where God's basically asking him all these questions. So, you know, so Job, you, you seem like you're, uh, you know everything. Uh, you seem like you figured everything out, really. Do you, do you, you know, do you know how the, where the heavens came from and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And basically the messaging is, uh, don't second guess God. Uh, one of the themes is don't second guess God. Trust God. He's God. We're not. 
And definitely don't second guess a hardship coming on someone as being the result of some kind of sin in their life. Uh, that really uh, cheapens um, the grace of God. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's really important for us never to do that to other believers, uh, including ourselves, as we have things happening in our lives to think that some reason um, inherently that somehow God is turned away from us. No, he is, his arms are always wide open no matter what our situation, no matter, no matter what we've done. He's a loving father uh, wanting so much to, uh, to be close to us and for us to experience the depth of his grace and love and forgiveness and healing. Yeah, don't you think, um, Brad, that, that we have these illustrations in the Bible to show uh, a great perfect God, in fact, does use imperfect people to do his work. Not yes. that maybe God wants to use us in an imperfect state, but he does anyway, because God is bigger than the things that we've done wrong. Your thoughts? Yeah, in fact, what's, what, I, what I think is dangerous is when anyone is in ministry and they think for just one second that the reason that God's using them is because of their own righteousness or having it all together, hmm. um, that's extremely dangerous. The reality is that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Even as after we get saved, there's still uh, sinful natures in us that are going to come to the surface sometimes. And that's why we have to be accountable. We have to uh, be with believers. We have to continue to grow in the Holy Spirit. We have to be in the Word. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, we should never confuse uh, the, the God working through us um, with somehow uh, being evidence of our own righteousness. No, it's all by God's grace. It's his sanctifying work and it's his forgiveness and all the glory goes to him. We should never take one ounce of that uh, based on our own actions. And, and uh, it's by his grace that he works through us through who, who what Jesus did on the cross. It's because of who's, who we, not who we are, but whose we are to the grace and glory of God. So I hope that helps Hilda again. If God only used good little boys and good little girls and didn't use anybody else, there would never really be much ever done for the kingdom of heaven. So I hope that, uh, hope that helps. Yes. Thank you. Well, Hilda stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy them. And um, we're about out of time. Dwight, Nancy, and David, please call us back first thing on Monday and uh, we'll put you on first thing Monday morning or Monday, at, or unless that's President's Day. I don't know. But th the next broadcast that's live, we'll put you on first thing. And uh, thanks so much uh, again, um, Brad, for being on. Again, Brad with Pacific Justice Institute. Real quick, give your website for people that can check you out. You bet. If they'd like to support our work or get our updates, uh, just go to our resource. Just go to pji.org. That's p ji.org and uh, you can you can uh, find out all the different things that he does and not to live under sometimes one person's tyrannical idea of what a law is but what does the law really say what is your constitutional rights we need to know those things well praying everybody has a safe weekend hope to see you at the river christian fellowship this sunday morning and uh, may the lord keep you in his love again god is good Remember, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. 
That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 